He's a native Texan, a student of Ben Franklin and John Locke, and he's a Christian conservative political activist. He's a true believer in the principles that this country was founded upon and comes to you every day to guide, advise, and lead you to become involved in the greatest political experiment in the history of our planet, self-governance. We don't get fooled again. He's Matt Long, and this is The Matt Long Show. Good morning, folks. So happy to be here with you on another beautiful hill country morning. I did notice um, kind of a high um, uh, smoky haze or dust. Anybody know where that's coming from? I know there was uh, some Saharan dust uh, kicking up uh, last week. It may have reached us, um, or we're getting uh, the uh, whiffs, wafts of smoke from Mexico. I'm not sure where that's coming from. If anybody knows, let me uh Give me a uh, let me know where where that uh, a thin layer of smoke is coming from. It's up there pretty high. So we got a great uh, show lined up for you today. Don Savan is going to be on here at the quarter past. I'm also going to be bringing you a pretty good reading from the Founders Bible. I know a lot of you like to read along when I'm uh, reading out of the Founders Bible. I'm going to be bringing you an article uh, uh, from page 441 in the Founders Bible. It is uh, Friday. That means be nice to the tourists are already starting to pile in. And, uh, you know, be patient, loving, and kind. And uh, just, uh, you know, if you can't do that, just, uh, you know, lock yourself in your house all weekend or stay in your own yard. Don't go into town because you know what that's going to look like. So be nice to the tourists for crying out loud. Also, we got some uh, great things on your calendar coming up. A lot of prayer events on the calendar today um tomorrow in kerrville the regular first monday uh prayer um over the city and the county and the state and the country um and that's going to be at one o'clock at zion lutheran zion lutheran church in kerrville um one o'clock on saturday that would be tomorrow and uh, that's your regular first saturday prayer so that is uh, that you get the, you ought to get that on your calendar. Just go through and every first Saturday know that there is prayer going on in Kerrville. Depending on the weather, it has moved around, but it seems to have settled in to Zion Lutheran these days. So there you go. Tuesday, the eighth, and this is the reason Dawn is going to be on the phone. She's going to give us all the details about the prayer in Fredericksburg over the schools. So we'll let her give us all that information when we get her on the phone here in a minute. However, in Kerrville, um, they were inspired by uh, the, um, the, the message coming from Fredericksburg. And so Kerrville decided to do the same thing. So they're going to be at the admin building. It's 1009 Barnett Street, 1009 Barnett. Um, and that's going to be at 7 o'clock um, at the admin building, I imagine, outside of the administration building in Kerrville, Tuesday night at 7 o'clock. At the same time, there's going to be prayer going on in Fredericksburg over the schools, and Dawn is going to tell us about that here in a little bit. So uh, going out on your calendar next Thursday, next Thursday, man, are we looking forward to this one, the Fredericksburg Tea Party regular monthly meeting, second Thursday meeting, and uh, our very own straight from the Hill Country Patriot and originally Detroit, Michigan, uh, Lorraine Lamond and uh, some of her friends, uh, Sergeant Sam 
and uh, as well as Brian Bledsoe with Blexit Texas. Um, that's going to be an amazing lineup. The three of them on the stage uh, next Thursday night. Uh, the meeting starts at 6.30. We serve dinner at 6 um, for a suggested donation of about $7. We'll cover the expenses of dinner. That is uh, put together by Rex Williams. Man, this guy is amazing when it comes to cooking for large groups. And, uh, it, hey, folks, this is not your average. This is not your uh, dry chicken at the fundraiser. This is good food. And uh, Rex Williams, has uh, he donates his labor every month for that to feed whether we have 70 or 120 at the meeting and it's always somewhere in between those two numbers he is there to serve everyone and uh, it's always good and uh, again it's a suggested donation of seven dollars also we will have our library there the uh, and i say i take it back it's not a library it's the fredericksburg tea party bookstore and uh, we have made arrangements now with three different publishers um, that I have um, uh, made deals with that allow us to sell them to you at the cost we pay for them, or actually slightly a little bit more. I think I add a dollar and round up or something like that. Um, and so that is uh, uh, available only at the meeting. No, you can't call me and ask you ask me to bring you one of those books. You've got to go to the meeting and purchase it there. And we do take credit cards, checks, cash, uh, gold and silver bullion is also accepted. Um, on Friday night, the 11th uh, in Kerrville is going to be the Hill Country Friends of the NRA. That is going to be at the Hill Country Youth Event Center on August 11th. They got a live auction, special drawings, custom knives, gun raffles, um, there's all kinds of, uh, of things you can do. Let's see. Do they have, uh, they've got admission. They've got a price here, dinner, and a chance at a Taurus Defender 856 38 Special. That's a fine-looking uh, fine revolver. I kind of like that. So that is, you want more information on that? Go to friendsofnra.org, friendsofnra.org. Um, going even further out, and again, we bring you, when I give you these dates way out, uh, more than a week out, It's the idea is just to get you to mark it on the calendar if it's interesting to you, and we'll give you more details as we get closer. So Monday, the 14th of August, the Kerrville uh, Christian Chamber of Commerce will be having their regular meeting. Saturday, the 19th of August, uh, the January 6th Defendants, um, the uh, Middleton uh, 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 husband and wife, the Middletons, are going to be speaking. We're going to have uh, one of the, I believe we're either going to have both of them, one or both of them on the line with us here before that event. I've got them in the calendar. On the 22nd of August, the um, Hand Count Road Show is going to be in Kerrville. Listen, they got Alt Man Chip Roy's going to be there, Bob Hall's going to be there, um, I, I think Seth Keschel may even be there. Um, but they've got a, they're going to be running this program twice on the uh, 22nd. We're going to give you all the details as we get closer. But um, uh, Mo and Jim, go ahead and get that on your calendar, and that way you can figure out if you want to go in the morning or the afternoon. So Saturday the 9th of September, all the way out in Junction, Seth Keschel is going to be in Junction. 
um, on here we go. This is the big one Friday night. And see, I still have not changed that on my book. Friday night, Friday night, September 22nd is going to be Charlie Kirk is going to be here with the Fredericksburg Tea Party Boots and Barbecue. And uh, that is, again, that was scheduled for Saturday night. It has been moved to Friday night. The Fredericksburg Tea Party will work with you in every which way they can in order to, um, in order to, um, uh, in order to, just lost track of what I was going to say. Oh, if you bought tickets on Saturday for, um, uh, and are not able to make it to the Friday nights because we moved it, let us know. We'll work with you completely on that. Um, and I just did get a note that uh, Chip Roy is not confirmed for the Hand Count Road Show, so I need to take that back. He has not been confirmed, um, but I believe he has been asked. You know, a lot of these guys, especially the ones that in in, uh, in D.C., it's really hard for them to make a commitment, and that is that's frustrating to all of us. Let me tell you, that is frustrating to all of us, but that's uh, that's part of the job, and we're glad Chip is out there doing that job. All right, we're going to bring you some words of wisdom from Ben Franklin before we uh, take off here for the local news break. And uh, this one actually ties in with uh, what we're going to be talking about today. Um, Serving God is doing good to man, but praying is thought an easier service and therefore more generally chosen. Chosen. (laughs) You know, there's Ben never holds back, does he? He, he over and over in his uh, writings he says that that doing good to man is where we that, that that's what we're all supposed to be doing is doing good to our fellow man and he says it's serving God when we're doing that and uh, then I love it in this case he says but you know a lot of people think praying is easier and so that's the route they're going to grow go and I don't think uh, Franklin nor I am putting down prayer. But I'm um, telling you what, folks, in an era of where we're having, where we're pulling our hair out to try and get volunteers and folks and people to help, whether it be in the church or with your local club or group. Um, but uh, yep, everybody's like, "Oh yeah, we're praying for you," and we go, "That's great. We love you. Thank you. Keep praying." But you, can you come up Saturday and help us set tables and chairs up? <laughs> you know, no, I'm going to be at home praying. Okay, all right, folks, uh, y'all stay tuned. Um, and uh, we will be right back. He's a teacher and activist. In an effort to alleviate the effects of the anyone, anyone? And your host. Anyone? Matt Long on the Hill Country Patriot. Anyone? The Hill Country Patriot. All right, we are back. Thank you so much for sticking around. You're listening to the Hill Country Patriot, your information station. And I have on the line with me right now Don Savan, who's going to be bringing us some uh, information about um, prayer over the schools in Fredericksburg. And um, Don, welcome to the Matt Long Show. Thank you, Matt. It's a pleasure. So I, um, I have, uh, I'm, I'm, uh, I've. I was going to say we we've met a few times. I know I enjoyed uh, the meals I had at Augustes, and you were there in Augustes for a while, and now you're over at uh, 
Club Charles in Kerrville, and I loved it. You said you were working at Club Charles, um, and I uh, thought that I had a good laugh at that when you said that. But uh, we know you're a hard worker, and Don, this um, I have not gotten to eat at uh, Club Charles yet. Tell us, tell us a little bit about that before we go into the reason you called. Well, Club Charles is an amazing um, experience. The decor is like being in New York or Chicago, um, but with a warm, inviting environment. We are a private club, Mm -hmm. open for dinner only, but the membership levels and tiers, I think, are affordable and and definitely worth the experience. We have entertainment nightly. We have a vast menu, and, uh, and we love our members. Good. That's good to hear. I have uh, talked to several people who are members, and they love going there. But that's not the reason Don called. But um, one of the things I say on this program, Don, is that we need to support those who support us, and that's very, very important. And so Don, a friend of Don's and a friend of mine, Andrea, uh, got a cold of me a couple of weeks ago and said, Matt, uh, Don has been led to or guided to hold some prayer over Fredericksburg schools before the kids get started would you tell us, Don, what your what, was there an aha moment? Was there like a morning you woke up or something that hit you in the afternoon and said, "Wait a minute, we've got to pray over the schools." I um, I walk every morning and I call it my walk with God, and I just I walk uh, waiting to hear in my spirit what it is I should be focusing on for the day and where I can be useful in this ministry of life. And what occurred to me is that um, we're off of our focus on the children. We're so occupied now with these extraneous issues, and whether it's censorship or not censorship, that we're forgetting what the kids have been through since COVID and since then. Mm. And they've been through so much. They've been robbed of time together. They've been robbed of time in schools. And we need to shift our focus back to the kids first of all, and secondly, to the administrators who need to be responsible for noticing the changes that are occurring in kids. Is there something bothering them? Is there something that's shifted in their life? That needs to be the focus, not, not directing their, their belief systems and their morality. We've done enough to rob these kids of their innocence. Mm. So let's go back to the core curriculum and being hyper-aware of what's going on with the children and working in cooperation with the parents to make a better experience and ultimately better people for our, for our citizens, Marie. Um, you know, Let, we've just... Go ahead. Don, we, um, give us, go ahead and give us some details, and then I've got a couple of more questions for you. Where and when I understand we're gonna that's gonna start in one place and go to another. Give us the details. I'll write them down here, and we'll get we'll keep everyone informed. Well, it will be Tuesday, August eighth. We're going to begin at the Fredericksburg Elementary School. Now we will be um, on um, Lower Crabapple or Adams. There, we will not be on the school property per se. That is not permissible. Okay, but we will be standing there. Um, as a group, we will uh, have a pastor leading us in a blessing, asking for God's favor and blessing on the children, the administrators, and the parents for the next school year. And we'll sing a couple songs, and then we'll move on to the uh, middle school. It does begin at 7 p.m. 
Okay. And I imagine we'll just get to the first two schools that evening because we don't want it to become too late or, or cumbersome. Yeah, yeah, I get it. I get it. So 7 o'clock, I'm out in front of uh, the uh, elementary school, not on the school property. I know where that uh, lower Crab Apple and Adams, I know that intersection. Um, and they'll start there at 7 o'clock and uh, then go to the middle school and pray over the middle school as well. And then is there a plan then? Do you have a date yet to come by back and hit the other schools or... Will you... uh, we don't have the date set yet, Matt. I need to confer with uh, the police and fire department, and um, we'll we'll have that announcement before Tuesday. Okay. We're trying to get this done before the kids go back to school. We don't we don't want to be in the way, right, of anything that's going on with the kids. But we want to be in the way, making sure we're blessing our kids and um, bringing together kids, administrators, and and um the parents so would you um are there any um you know man there's so many different beliefs or not even beliefs but 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 folks who look at prayer in so many different ways are there some specific areas that we should pray specifically for or is this going to be a just a general uh, what are some areas you would suggest we specifically pray for First of all, that our children's minds and hearts be opened up to the core curriculums that they are in school to learn. Secondly, that our parents will be hyper-aware of what's going on with their children and that they will participate Mm -hmm. in their education and making sure that they're moving along in the way that they should, not simply asking the administrators to be responsible for all of that. Mm -hmm. I think where a lot of the problems have been created is we've got this division uh, between administrators and parents, and that's that that needs to change and that's that's the primary purpose of this prayer because the bottom line is it's all about the kids mm, absolutely so a specific prayer would be to uh, pray that we open up the relationships between the administrators and the parents you know parents for so many yeah. years don have have uh, kind of said all right send your kids off to school and and that's it and uh, no slam on my mom who is listening and so i know that but i'm pretty <laughs> sure that was uh, their attitude when i was growing up uh, you're off to school i don't recall my parents ever going to a school board meeting mom uh, you can call me at uh, after 10 and correct me on that if you want to but i think we're at a point now i think that was a little bit safer when I was in school. That was last century sometime. Um, but <laughs> I think, Don, I know, I think this is, I think we're in different times now. I think that, and I don't think it's evil administrators. I, I don't believe that. Do I agree. You, do, I agree. Do you agree? All right. And so I just think that there is this, uh, I don't know, malaise has been the word I've been using quite a bit recently, that there is something that seems to be hovering over all of us, and it seems to be hovering over our schools and our children right now, and it's very concerning. What What do you think about that idea? Are you uh, Do you agree with that? I do, and I think a lot of the shift um, occurred. One of the blessings of COVID was um, parents had to oversee what their children were learning and mm. be active participants in keeping them on track. Mm. And I think... If there was a blessing in COVID at all, that that would be one of them. And yes, and I think the other thing that happens is we all get so deeply entrenched in our personal beliefs that we almost look the other way on things that are going wrong so we can maintain that belief system. Mm. 
And we've just got to stop the division. And we've got to come together and say, all right, we disagree on this. What are some possible solutions? And man, I'm Because, again, at the end of the day, it's the kids. Absolutely. And, you know, we're there to direct their education, not their personal belief systems and values. That, that comes from the family. Absolutely. And that's where it needs to stay. You know, we have a rating system for movies. Makes it real simple. Mm-hmm. You know, and then parents get to decide, my child can see this PG movie or my child can see this R movie or whatever it might be. And I don't know why we couldn't just do the same thing with books and leave it up to the parents. Yeah. I believe that uh, that House Bill 900, which passed and was signed by the governor, I think that is an attempt to do that. Um, I think it's going to be a, maybe a school year before we fully see the results of that but i right. think we've uh, well, there's been a good fight put up for that and has been uh, has been successful and folks there's another specific prayer that your school librarians that their hearts and minds will be softened to look Amen. at seriously look at the the materials they're choosing for our children don give us again the details please ma'am tuesday um august 8th in front of the Fredericksburg Elementary School, Adams at Lower Crabapple, 7 p.m. And again, we'll have a pastor, we'll say a couple prayers, and we'll move from there on to the middle school. And before that, Matt, I will get to you a date for the the high school and uh, whatever else we've got planned. All right, that sounds great. Dawn, I want to thank you and, and Andrea for for bringing this to my attention and you know you you inspired uh kerrville to do the same thing and uh hopefully this will just spread isn't that awesome don when you just you take one step and you look around and go whoa there's somebody behind me yes and of course it doesn't come from us it comes from a higher source and um i'm just so grateful that he's working through all of us and that everyone has decided to be vocal and to have their opinions heard. Um, being on the sidelines has never gotten us anywhere. Don, it's been great. If you ever want to come back on and talk about schools or prayer or children or anything, you, all you need to do is give me a call. And I really appreciate you taking time. And, uh, folks, we will uh, see you all on Tuesday night. Thanks again, Don. Thanks, Matt. I appreciate it. Have a great day. All right, we will. All right, there you go, folks. You got all the details. This prayer, prayer this is so important. This is so important, and uh, to see uh, members of the community just uh, decide to just step up and say, you know what, well, I'm going to see if we can't get this uh, this idea moving. And um, I am uh, I'm very proud to know uh, Andrea, and uh, I, I know Don a little bit, and uh, so um, very proud that these two women and all the other folks engaged in bringing this prayer to our schools. Thank you so very much, folks. We're going to take a short break. And uh, we will be right back, and I will be going to the Founders Bible. And it's going to be on page 441 is where I'm going to be reading, and it has to do with children as well. So we're all on a theme today, prayer and children. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back. He's 100% Texan. Matt Log on the Hill Country Patriot.
All right, we are back, and um, we're going to wrap up this week with um, some uh, words out of um, the Founders Bible, which is a the it is a, a Bible put together. It is the New American Standard version. Um, it uh, comes in a hardback and a softback, and it is packed full of articles and stories and 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 meditation i don't know if meditations is the right word but uh it is just chucked full of information that ties in the biblical principles that our country was founded on um it it ties them into the bible and so there are uh these articles within each each uh, uh, uh all scattered throughout the bible are articles that uh, go along, uh, most of the time go along with the scripture that is right there. So uh, just to give you an idea of some of the audio, uh, the, uh, the um, uh, articles that go along with them, here's one called Manners Matter More Than You Might Think. Another one, Get Rich Quick and Lose Every Time. Uh, here's one called Committing Our Spirit to God. Um, they happen to have in there John F. Kennedy's 1961 inaugural address. Uh uh, here's another one called uh, The Tragedy of Benedict Arnold, a hero turned traitor. Um, here's one, Alex de Tocqueville's 1831 Reflection on America. I believe that's the one where de Tocqueville says America is great because its churches are great. Um, so all of this extra stuff is in there. It's not adding to or taking away from the Scripture. That is all there fully, the New American uh, Standard Version. And uh, so here we are in 1 Samuel and uh, uh, chapter 3, where, and this is one of the stories I remember as a child, where, um, boy, boy, Samuel, he's a boy, and he's uh, working for uh, Eli at the time, and Eli is... Um, I believe Eli is the high priest. I apologize for not know, knowing this, uh, Mom. But uh, uh, Eli was lying down. Um, he was his eyesight was dim, and um, and uh, Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God was. I imagine that was in front of the curtain where the ark was. I, if I remember all the the way things are, um, but. Um, so here's the story where Samuel's working and he hears this voice say uh, um, that calls to him. And uh, so he goes to Eli. Who else is going to be calling him, right? And he goes into Eli and and, and, uh, and wakes Eli up and says, hey, you called me. What did you want? And Eli says, I didn't call you. So he goes back and gets to work. And um, a little while later, he hears this calling again. And uh, so he runs in to Eli and says, I, here I am. And uh, and, and uh, Eli says, you know, I didn't call you. And at this point in time, Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and nor had the word of the Lord yet been revealed to him. I kind of find that interesting because in the first chapter, he says uh, the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord before Eli. So he knew something, but apparently had not heard the voice of God yet. And uh therefore confused it uh, with Eli's voice. And so finally the third time, um, Eli said, uh, listen, uh, <clears throat> Samuel, um, that ain't me calling you. That is God calling you, and uh, you need to make sure that you're listening to what he has to say to you because he is going to reveal himself 
to you. And so that is the story of Samuel as a child. And along with that, to give you an idea of how this the, the Founders Bible ties in with Scripture, the article that goes along with 1 Samuel 3 is uh, called, Here Am I, Unleash Your Children to Greatness. The Bible contains numerous examples of young people who accomplished much at a very young age. David was at the beginning of his teen years when he slew Goliath, and before that he had slain the lion and the bear. King Josiah was eight years old when he became king. Samuel was just a lad when the Lord spoke to him and commissioned him for his first task of ministry, and that's what we were just reading. Jesus was 12 when he confounded the doctors of the law in the temple in Jerusalem, and there are many other examples. Why are these types of youth accomplishments so rare today? The answer is expectations. Modern society does not expect youth to do much of significance until they're out of college and perhaps 25 years of age. With that exception, with that expectation, we train accordingly. If we really believed that youth could do something significant before they were teens, we would train to that expectation instead, which is actually exactly what we did in previous generations. In 1783, America's very first purely American public school textbook was penned by founding father Noah Webster. It was his famous speller. For the next 150 years, it became the standard spelling book for American schools. In later years, it was known as Webster's Blue Back Speller because of the distinctive color of the book. The title on its cover attests that it was an elementary spelling book. Notice the, the keyword elementary there. The beginning book from which American students learned to spell. Some of the spelling words, all right, are you sitting down? Some of the spelling words taught in elementary schools for 150 years included, uh, see, I, I don't even know how to pronounce this, contumulus, contumulus, ichthyology, that one I know, ichthyology, bronchotomy, bronchotomy, loquacious, mendacity, armigerous, vertiginous, oleaginous, acanthus. <laughs> I think I know what three of, of those eight words mean, and I'm pretty sure I couldn't spell any of them. Back to the reading. And many other elementary spelling words that most Americans today have probably never seen. But why would Webster choose such difficult works words? And here in the textbook is, is how um, Webster explained it. It is useful to teach children the significant... Boy, I'm sorry. It is useful to teach children the signification of words as soon as they can comprehend them. And the minds of children may well be employed in learning to spell and pronounce words whose signification is not within the reach of their capacities. 
for what they do not clearly comprehend at first, they will understand as their capacities are enlarged. Now, Webster understood that students are capable of much more than what is often believed today. History consistently shows us that if we raise expectations, students will rise to meet them. But if we lower expectations, they will also meet those. Um, We're going to take a short break here. Um, But before I go, and and when we get back, we're going to come back to this. Uh, He goes into John Adams uh, embracing this philosophy, and he's going to talk about that. But before we go, uh, just an interesting, uh, more more Ben Franklin study. He and uh, Noah Webster were contemporaries. They lived at the same time. And there's several letters that were written between um, Ben Franklin and Noah Webster. And uh, uh, Franklin was not very happy with the question mark. Franklin was not happy with the question mark. Did you hear that? He thought that putting the question mark at the end of the sentence was really ridiculous because how do you know it's a question if you're reading it and you don't get to the question mark to the end? Franklin said we ought to follow the uh, examples of the Spaniards. He said we should put a, a question mark at the beginning of the sentence and the end of the sentence. And uh, he let Noah Webster uh, know that, um, along with other few suggestions that uh, Noah Webster did not take up. But we'll be right back, folks. Y'all stay tuned. He doesn't just complain into a microphone. Blah, 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 blah. Matt Long on the Hill Country Patriot. Here we are. It's Friday. Uh, are you going dancing tonight? Um, we uh, have been reading out of the um, an article that goes along with First uh, Samuel three, where uh, Samuel uh, first gets to hear the voice of God. Man, that, what an amazing thing! Probably was pretty scary. I can imagine. Um, and uh, the article that goes along with there, it talks about raising the expectations of our children, unleashing your children to greatness. And uh, the first uh, part of it talks about raising their expectations. And uh, that was Webster chose these really hard words among his spelling words because he said even though they couldn't didn't know what these words meant or couldn't use them yet, they might know what they meant by definition, but once they were able to use the words in the appropriate uh, uh, context, then they would know how to use those words and spell them correctly, etc. Um, and so he says he understood that capable that students are capable of much more, and that we need to raise our expectations. Now, John Adams embraced the same philosophy. He spent much time separated from his family, sometimes because of his work in Congress and sometimes because he was overseas as a diplomat. During that time, Abigail assumed the full duties of running the family and raising the young children, and they corresponded regularly about both, especially the latter. For as John explained, the education of our children is never out of my mind. 
And he reminded her in a letter, this is in a letter he wrote to his wife, it should be your care, therefore, and mine to elevate the minds of our children with an ambition to excel in every capacity, faculty, and virtue. If we suffer their minds to grovel and creep in infancy, they will grovel all their lives. And then he, then he goes on, he says, Early youth is the time to learn the arts and sciences. The sooner, therefore, the practice begins, the more likely it will be to succeed. Your children have capacities equal to anything. There is a vigor in the understanding and a spirit and a fire in the temper of every one of them which is capable of ascending the heights of art, science, trade, war, or politics. John and Abigail trained to these expectations and definitely succeeded. For example, when their young son John Quincy Adam was only eight years old, he was already marching with the famous Massachusetts Minutemen in their various uh, musket drills. Going to make sure we get that part. He was marching in their drills. I don't think he was going to war with them at eight. At the age of 11, he accompanied his father as an official secretary on his diplomatic mission to France. At 13, he left his father and traveled to Holland to attend Leiden University. At 14, he was made secretary and French interpreter for the American ambassador to Russia. At 15, he returned alone from St. Petersburg, Russia to The Hague in an overland journey of six months. At 16, he was made the secretary of the American commissioners in France, who were negotiating the peace treaty with Great Britain to end the revolution. This policy of setting higher expectations for youth prevailed in America until the 1920s when it was abandoned and replaced by a new approach introduced by secular progressives such as Francis Wayland Parker, John Dewey, William Hurd Kilpatrick, Stanwood Cobb, and other like-minded leaders in educational pedagogy. They moved education away from student-centered learning to an educational philosophy that was oriented on social policy, thus abandoning the former emphasis on individualism and instead replacing it with concerns about thinking and acting as a group. It is in this period that the concept of adolescence began to take root and grow. But this is not the biblical model. Children were to become productive as soon as possible, to become men and women and be contributors. And here's, uh, uh, as explained by Rabbi Daniel Lappin, adolescence is a modern concept. This is Daniel, uh, Rabbi Lappin. The ever-growing void between childhood and maturity is what we call adolescence. However, the Lord's language, uh, Hebrew, hinting perhaps at the deceptive and delusionary, delusionary nature of the concept, Hebrew possesses no word for adolescence. It was the rituals and restraints of biblical faith that kept the fatal allure of adolescence at bay. In its absence, secularism encouraged the primacy of rights over obligation, thus helping to expand the boundaries of adolescence 
in each successive generation. You know, I mean, I can't help but say this now. The, the, if moving from 17 to 18 and now then 21 and then now on your parents' insurance till 26, we're just moving adolescents further and further out. Um, here we go back to the reading. American history for its first three centuries is filled with examples paralleling those from the Bible repeatedly demonstrating that the average youth was able to accomplish much more than what we expect today. Regrettably, our society has come to accept mediocrity and adolescence as the norm, and youth achievement is now seen as something exceptional rather than the ordinary. But consider the previous results. Signer of the Declaration, George Wythe, was three when he began a study of the classics. Signer of the Declaration, Benjamin Rush, the father of, of American medicine, was 14 when he graduated from Princeton. The signer of the Declaration, Thomas Jefferson, was nine when he began the study of Latin, Greek, and French, and at 16 he entered Marion William College. It was common for American youth to be trilingual and enter college between the ages of 13 and 16. Wow. It was, it, it was common for American youth to be able to speak three languages and enter college between the ages of 13 and 16. When the signer of the Constitution, William Livingston, was 14, he was living as a missionary among the Mohawk Indians. They were one of the fiercest tribes in America. And at 18, he graduated from Yale at the top of his class. When U.S. President Andrew Jackson was 13, he was serving in the Continental Army during the American Revolution. At 14, he was taken by the British as a prisoner of war. At 16, he was a school teacher. When John Morant was 13, he became the first black American to evangelize Native Americans successfully. When Maria Mitchell was 11, she was, teaching, she was a teaching assistant and studying astronomy. At 12, she helped calculate the exact time of a forthcoming solar eclipse. At 17, she headed her own academy, training women in astronomy and science. By the way, I didn't. I don't even know who Maria Mitchell is till I read this. Uh, she uh, uh, born in 1818, died in 1889, and so that uh, 19th century was her lifespan. Uh, Louise May Alcott. Here's a name I know a little bit better. The author of classics such as Little Women and Little Men was writing poetry at the age of eight. At 13, she wrote a famous poem. At 16, a book. At 18, a novel. At 19, her stories were being published across the country. When William Buffalo Bill Cody was nine, he was a cattle driver. At 11, he was a legendary Indian fighter. At 12, a trapper and a woodsman. At 13, a Pony Express rider. At 15, he was riding military dispatches. At 16, he was a guide and scout for the military, where he became a Medal of Honor winner. When Charlie Miller was eight, he was a Bronco buster at 11. 
And by the way, I want to go back. I, I'm, I'm pro, I, I, I apologize. I do not know who Charlie Miller is, but we're moving forward in time. Uh, Charlie Miller is from 1850, died at uh, 1955. So when Charlie was eight, he was a Bronco Buster. At 11, he was a Pony Express rider, with each of his trips being a 10-day ride at breakneck speed covering some 1,800 miles between St. Joseph, Missouri and San Francisco, California. He's fighting hardships, dangers, storms, and Indians and outlaws all along the way. When John Clem was 12, he was a soldier in the Battle of Chickamauga in the Civil War. He was promoted by General Rosecrans to the rank of sergeant for his exploits in the field. And General Thomas then promoted him to the rank of lieutenant. When the famous sharpshooter Annie Oakley was nine, she was already earning a living for her family by her skills with a gun. There are countless similar examples affirming that youth are capable of great things at an early age. It is time to reject the societal restraints of low expectations produced by secular progressives, progressive education, and instead encourage youth to hear from God at an early age, as Samuel did, and then begin performing great exploits of achievement. I, I have to tell you this uh, mention of uh, Annie Oakley. I was at Glenn Beck's uh, museum and uh, we uh, recently, and we actually got to hold one of the coins that Annie Oakley had shot a hole right through it. And uh, we got to hold that coin and uh, got an awesome picture of it. Man, that girl could shoot, I'm telling you. Y'all be nice to the tourists. Don't shoot any of them. It is tourist season. Y'all stay tuned for Lorraine, and we'll see y'all on Monday.